0: And I want to, I want people to get in politics because we should be there. It is for us. It's not for the the higher echelon people. It's not for the the you know the generals. I'm sure there'll be a general there somewhere. But you know, it's not it's not made for them. It's made for the the House of Representatives is about people who represent the people. And we need normal people in there. Like I got tattoos down my arm, right? You don't see that in politics. I that apparently this is it's scary to look like this garbage mate like that we need to change how we do business in politics not just here but around the world and you know stop the the you know the the, the five thousand dollar suit wearing people thinking that they're representing everyone we need normal people man, to make normal decisions based on the people they represent
1: my name is johnny ball and i'm the founder of campaign force a not-for-profit that inspires trains and coaches the armed forces community to stand up and serve again. I've served on the front line of military operations and in civilian life, the front line of UK politics. This Veterans in Politics podcast is a set of interviews brought to you by Campaign Force and sets out to explore how the military community can help make our politics a better place. I lean into my little black book of contacts and sit down with individuals from across the world of politics, sharing secrets, giving tips and advice, And inspiring the next generation. We are Campaign Force. This is the Veterans in Politics podcast. Let's introduce you to our guest.
0: We welcome our first Australian veteran in politics, Philip Thompson, OAM MP. Phil is the baby of the house as Australia's youngest MP. He is a veteran of operations in East Timor and Afghanistan, where he was badly injured in an explosion. He's an impressive guy with a fresh approach on how to do politics. Our host Johnny really bonded with him, and it's clear in this episode that a shared sense of service and values is a powerful commonality that links veterans from two different countries. Thanks to JobOppo for their support in this episode. It's time for you to meet our guest.
1: Phil, Phil Thompson, MP, our first Australian guest. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an absolute honour and absolute privilege to have you. Um, I understand that you are, in fact, the baby of the Australian Parliament. Is that right? The youngest. I baby. am, mate.
0: I'm uh, I'm 33, uh, so I'm the youngest in the House of Representatives. So I'm the uh, get the title of baby of the house. <laughs> I
1: was going to say. I don't know the... how I
0: feel about it. To be honest, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. So it's a weird term, but we exactly have the same same title here in the UK too. And you are in Parliament and you've described yourself in the past as that if you can get into Parliament, anyone can. And that you've said that you're a bit of a rat bag in terms of your past. So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about you and and about your journey in getting into Parliament?
0: Sure. Uh, like I'm from a, a low socioeconomic background. I grew up in public housing, a single mum raising three kids, uh, who's an absolute all. Uh, you know, she's an all star. Um Left school very early, young. Uh, was concreted in laying blocks. Decided I, I wanted to do something more, something else. Uh, saw an ad on TV. Met a met someone who was former uh, New Zealand Army, and then uh, I applied. And they said, "Mate, you don't have the education." So I put myself through night school. Um, got to the our basic level of education. Uh, joined the military, infantry soldier. Uh, moved about two hours. Uh, Flight north and about thirteen hours drive north and uh, was posted to the first battalion Royal Australian Regiment as a, a young private soldier uh, served in East Timor uh, in in Afghanistan in Afghanistan I was blown up by an IED um, rendered me with a traumatic brain injury still can't hear my right ear and then I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD went on the whole turbulent roller coaster of uh, poor mental health and mental illness punched out the other side with a, a, a my best friend and now wife, uh, Jenna, she kind of, you know, pulled me in a line and some good mates giving me a good kick in the bum and, uh, you know, looked around Townsville where I'm from and we're stagnant. We're going backwards. I don't see a future for young people here. High crime, high electricity prices, high everything. We're losing everyone at the southeast corner. So when I, I'll go talk to the, the current member um, who, who was a member of the Labor Party they scoffed at me, laughed at me um, because I was too young. What would you know? And then I, I kind of got a, a tap on the shoulder uh, from the party that I was in, which is the Liberal National Party, the centre-right political party in Australia. And, uh, yeah, put my hand up and got into it, mate, and got into, got into the fight.
1: Wow. So you literally came from no political background at all. Nah. No, didn't, nah. no. You just went for it.
0: Yeah, I was a member of the party, but uh, I was wasn't overly active. I'd help out in little tiny bits. Uh, I just yeah, just always politically viewed that way. I uh, got tapped on the sh- uh, on the shoulder after I won an award, which was the Queensland Young Australian of the Year for um, helping people with mental illness and suicide prevention, um, more tailored towards veterans. And yeah, and decide you know what, if you sit here and complain and throw pebbles or. Or we'll jump in front and, and go this is what we're going to do get in the fight and you know I kick uh, I kick everyone in the shins mate include my own side of politics if uh, I, I want our fair share for the north
1: yeah and you um and you do it with great passion as well I recently watched a speech um where you spoke directly to um a mother of um someone that had completed suicide and it was a highly emotional and it was it was also as as emotional as it was it was also Hugely refreshing to see someone in politics, in public, be so passionate and so authentic. And and it was really touching, mate. So thank you for oh, appreciate being.
0: that. I, I take uh any any suicide, um, and poor mental health and, and the treatment from when I got into politics is personal. I take it as my responsibility and and when when people have died by suicide, when I've been a member of parliament, I take it as as a failure and a failure of, of mine, the governments and any person who says they're in politics, regardless if you're uh, on the opposition or not, uh, we shouldn't be allowing our most bravest, our men and women who put on uniform every day in service to our nations, who protect our rights, our, our sovereignty, uh, put themselves in harm's way to to be to be taking their life and dying by suicide. So, you know, mate, it, it, it's a, a highly emotive and very emotional thing for me and and more so for the the many families and the people that are um, intimately
1: affected by it. No, definitely. Well, it completely connected to me. So thank you. And it's clear that it really fires you up. I can see that passion, that fire in your belly, belly too. And it's, it's something I've seen in members of Parliament here in the UK, particularly from the veterans community. We have 50 veterans or, sorry, and reservists across the 650 MPs that have a military connection. And um, there are some famous ones like Johnny Mercer and Dan Jarvis who've come on this show uh, from both sides of the house. But it, it reminds me of something, how we share so much uh, as, as nations between Australia and, and the UK. And you and I both share something, and that's that operational experience in Afghanistan. I mean, how much do you think from what you've seen and from the work that you've done and what I've seen um, in terms of looking, uh, researching you and looking at your background, how much do you think that we share attitudes towards veterans issues? And do you think that the narrative has changed since the further we've got away from Afghanistan and all of a sudden Afghanistan has come back in the news cycle? How have you seen that change and evolve in your time?
0: Yeah, I think that you know, us in Australia and especially in, in politics could definitely learn from, uh, from you guys. We we don't have um, many uh, former service uh, men and women veterans uh, in Parliament. On my side of the house, I think we've got four in the lower house. Uh, in Labor, uh, they've got one. You know, very small numbers, right? Um, uh, and I look around... Uh, Politics and political parties. You want to see a soldier. You want to see uh, a baker, a hairdresser, a blocky, a concreter. You want to see the the full gamut of people that you're supposed to represent. Um, I, I think we need to be doing better to to do that, and we could probably learn, um, you know, from across the ditch to you guys. In regards to to Afghanistan, mate, it's a it's it's been a turbulent time, and you know, no one wanted to see the Taliban. Uh, Take power. No one wanted to see the places where we fought, been injured, lost friends, had, you know, our our brothers and sisters die on the battlefield to see the Taliban take that ground, let alone be sitting in the presidential palace. Um, You know, it was a a tough time. It still is for many, uh, but our service and the service of all of our nations did it honourably. We built schools for girls, uh, wells for communities. We fought uh, terrorism there, and uh, we kept the you know the the bad people on the run, on the hop in the and in the mountains. I know very different um, location to where you served in Helmand, to where I was in Uruzgan. Uh, but you know we suppressed large scale uh, terrorist attacks for, uh, around the world because we we're fighting there. And so to see it all uh, kind of deteriorate it is tough. I I've uh, been very clear on a few shows that uh, the Taliban. Uh, ISIS, the Haqqani Network. uh, These are terrorist organisations. These are not governing bodies. We should not be recognising them as a government. Uh, We need to be very clear in our values and our direction of nations that we will not support people uh, and terrorist activity and uh, insurgencies like we're seeing in Afghanistan. Uh, My heart goes out to the the many families who've lost um, their loved ones there and also to our partners who are still stuck there, our interpreters, our ANA partnerships, our AMP partnerships, NDS, 222, whatever they may be, who are still stuck there and can't get out. and We know what will happen to them. We saw as soon as we left, we saw a helicopter in the sky um, hanging someone who was helping coalition forces. This isn't what we want to see. And, you know, I think that there is more to be done and we should be striving to do so.
1: No, definitely. uh, As you were speaking then, it just struck me. It it could be anyone of my friends talking in the UK. It just really highlights that shared experience between our two nations. And what has been the kind of Australian general population attitude towards the relationship between the veterans community, would you say, from Afghanistan? We had something here. We had uh, an amazing charity called Help for Heroes, and it generated such huge... Um, mainstream media attention and something you all know about as well, the Invictus Games. Yep. Um, how that generated and changed shifted attitudes, and I love the way that sport changes attitudes in in terms of what people can achieve and how it changes attitudes towards um, disabilities, and the Invictus Games being a huge shining light of that. How have you seen the attitudes of the Australian public around all of those kind of campaigns, perhaps change and or be maintained over time?
0: Well, the Australian public have been very supportive uh, of veterans, mate, our ADF, um, for longer than I've been alive, mate. They're, they're, they're really good supporters. And in towns, we're the largest garrison city in the nation, the largest military base, the largest cohort of veterans. Um, so this is a military town, and and there is a lot of support and love there for us, and, and you know, it's reciprocated. Um, you know, Invictus Games is awesome. Uh, I, I was at the inaugural one in 2014. Got to uh, drink beers and smoke a cigar with um with Prince Harry or Harry <laughs> I don't know you taking the prince away I'm not sure um yeah, it? No, he's good dude <laughs> yeah he's, he's solid man and um you know I, I, I drunk beers with uh, the Foo Fighters at the American ambassador's residence wow. and uh, and that's the that's the the cool fun side but then on the real side I looked around and you know met Mickey Yule uh, who. Uh, lost both of his legs and i think he just got silver at the Paralympics yeah. he's in powerlifting and i did power i was powerlifting there rocked up we didn't even have a coach we didn't have anything the uh, ben richards was the the coach there they pulled me in so i was training with the uk team um and, and i've made lifelong friends because of it and the strength through sport changed how i kind of saw myself as a veteran through my injuries and the others and the the what was really kind of hammered home is we're not defined by our injuries we're defined by our actions. So you know there, there's good people and bad people in any walks of life. And if you're a dick, you probably were a dick before you joined the military, and you're probably <laughs> going to be a dick after. Um, but in the uh, meeting, all the people from not this UK but Georgia, from the states, from you know Canada. Who, who have complex injuries just like our country. I saw us in them, more larger scale with you, much larger scale. But we we learned from each other and we took those learnings back home and we have, a, we, we call them ex-service organisations. So you have probably a, a few pockets of smaller ones and then your big one, um, uh, which is Help Help for Heroes, right? Help for Heroes.
1: Yeah, they're one um, of the, the big charities here. Yeah,
0: they're the big ones. Um we have we have that, but we have more, um, all nearly on the same kind of level, and we have a lot. and You know, the it is good, and they do uh, provide lots of support for people through sport, uh, taking them away, supporting the families because we know the families are the, the backbone, and sometimes suffer in silence too.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, it, that shared experience, and uh, it's great to hear about the Invictus Games as well because it's been such a huge movement for change and inspired not just the military community but the civilian communities as well that we all that you represent uh, and that we're all part of as well because it's been absolutely phenomenal and um in terms of some of the contributions that you've would seen from that veterans community post service because yes we all then eventually become civilians what in particularly in your constituency work i guess in it, being in a military town like townsville i guess you have a lot of constituents that are ex military what kind of contributions have you seen them play in in your patch in your in your hometown, towards society, it could be the third sector, public sector. What's kind of been your experience of those transfer of skills, values, and behaviours that you've seen?
0: Mate, I see a lot of um, a lot of our veterans who transition out go straight into a lot of community volunteering, helping people, uh, and, and that's what we like to see. We, we'll we'll see people that will move into corporate, defence industry, um, you know or any normal job. And when I mean normal job, I mean, non um, bureaucratic or non uh, kind of defense industry. So just back into society, but they all like just go straight into that, that helping community and the big sense of community, whether it's coaching a local footy club or, you know, um, out there doing something for just for free, just for, just because they want to help people. And we, I think, you know, the military kind of instills that and, When I speak to people like employers, you know, they're like the best thing about military people, they're on time. They they, they don't make the excuses or any excuses. They contribute well. They work hard and they'll stay late. And I know that tomorrow morning they're going to be here bright and early. And I know on Saturday, if I need them for Saturday work, they'll be here. If I need them to do something that's a little bit outside their purview, they'll do it because we just get on, right? Like, yeah, you, know, you, you just suck it up. There's, you know, no one's going to die today. We're going to go out and just, you know, do our job, live our life. And the majority of people want to spend that that extra time with family now and um, settle down a bit, have the family or, or at least be able to go watch a, a footy game with your kids or, you know, that kind of stuff, mate.
1: Absolutely. And all those things, as, I, as you were talking there, I just thought, God, there's such brilliant skills for politics as well. And you are the, you know, a walking, talking example of that. And when, it, when you're talking about the representation of the veterans community and other elements of society and politics and how important that is, I'm passionate that the only way, as I te- uh, term it, is to get veterans to stand up and serve again. Are by telling stories like yours. There'll be people here listening out in the UK who you will be, there'll be their moment listening to this going, do you know what? It's my time. This guy's story, I can really identify with it. And I really hope that in Australia, if you are listening to this now, that it inspires you to stand up and serve game. And it, and I love that transition as well into the voluntary sector that you just described.
0: Oh, definitely, mate. I, I was a private soldier, you know. I I, I kind of I say it like that not to play down a private soldier, but when I when you when you think of politics, you're like, oh, there'll be a general in there somewhere, and there'll be you know some head of capability, or, or we'll see so a digger, a soldier, the person who who you look around, you're not supposed to be in politics. And, you know, sometimes you, you can feel a bit like an imposter being there, but but that's kind of a little bit of motivation for me to go kick some more people in the shins because you, you want to be advocating and fighting our jobs to represent our people, our patch, um, including all veterans are, around the country are, we get calls from everywhere, not just in Townsville or my electorate of Herbert. We get calls from everywhere, and I, I want to help them all. And I want to—I want people to get in politics because we should be there. It is for us. It's not for the the higher echelon people. It's not for the the you know the generals. I'm sure there'll be a general there somewhere, but you know, it's not—it's not made for them. It's made for the the House of Representatives. It's about people who represent the people, and we need normal people in there. Like, I got tattoos down my arm, right? You don't see that in politics. I that apparently this is it's scary to look like this. Garbage, mate. Like that, we need to change how we do business in politics, not just here but around the world. And you know, stop the the you know the the, the five thousand dollars suit wearing people thinking that they're representing everyone. We need normal people there who make normal decisions based on the people they represent.
1: Oh, that's that's. So inspirational, teammate mate, and I mean that in all sincerity because I completely relate to that. I'm, you know, our version of a digger. I, I, I was an infantry, and uh, and now just a senior non commissioned officer. And but I've proven I've worked for secretaries of state, you know, running their campaigns. So if I can do it, other people like us can do it too. And I'm be so vocal about this. So I really appreciate this opportunity for us to really try and evangelise around that. Cause that's how we're going to get better politics is by better people. And then you'll get better decision makers too.
0: Definitely. mate. The, the, with politics, I'm sure that you can relate over there as well. Uh, democracy politics is pure. It's pure. Sometimes the problem is the people in it. And the only way we get good people in them is to take that step and go, all right, this is what I, I want to get involved. Cause I want to be a part of the change. And I did it. it and you lose bark on the way. Like, geez, the, you know, um, in Afghanistan, you you, you know you you used to what what combat, and you know what's going to be like politics. Oh, they'll try and cut your throat very quickly. And mm. um, but we're built for this, and we're built to push back, and we're built to also remind them that uh, there's accountability for what you say when you when you speak, and and how people act, especially um, whether it's in the house or in the media. We keep them accountable. We don't let, we we check bad behavior um, and we expect it to be done to us as well.
1: Oh yeah. Well, well, I'm not going to (laughs) disagree. But (laughs) I mean, with all that passion and with all that approach, have you got a specific mission that you want to achieve? And if so, how people are reacting to that and, and how are you going to measure that? And and in terms of how you've achieved that mission going forward, when you look back,
0: I, I kind of focus more around the, how I would represent and serve the people here in Townsville. So it's not not so much um, a, a certain segment or a certain group. It's everyone. I'm the member for everyone. Um, and, and I want to, you know, see cranes in the sky in Townsville and a future for our kids here. I've got two young daughters, a so three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I want them to grow up here and have the opportunity to find a job here, to go to uni if they want, or want get a trade if they if they want, but have that opportunity and uh, I, I think I think that's measurable in in you know the what rolls out through projects or how we deliver how we work collaboratively together. Um, I don't sit here and you know close my eyes and go you know I hope one day the prime minister calls me and gives me a promotion. I don't care. I don't couldn't care less. That's not my job. I didn't get into politics to to climb some you know very slippery ladder. I, I got into politics to represent normal people and be their voice and. We, we have this saying, um, and a lot of people say that, uh, in politics, we, you want to be the, your voice in in Canberra, so our capital, where, where Parliament House is, is. So I want to be Townsville's voice in Canberra, not Canberra's voice in Townsville. So I don't toe party lines. I'm in a party, but I don't toe the line. If we're not going the direction that I think we should be going, then uh, I'll let them know. I'll kick him in the shin a bit and, and then help refocus to better represent our people. Uh, I get along really well with the Prime Minister, um, Scott Morrison. Uh, We we share a pretty uh, emotional story. He came up here just before the election. It was the day after Anzac Day. And um, on Anzac Day, a friend of mine died by suicide. And uh, I got a call the next day. Uh, I was standing there with the Prime Minister, a whole press pack. So uh, a bunch of, you know, journalists going into an election. There's like 10 journalists there, 10 cameras very uh pointy questions and i told the pan what just happened and he said mate you don't have to do this if you don't want to uh, i made the decision to to go ahead with the the press conference even though i've never done one before this was during a campaign um, and because i i wanted to do my best to get elected so i can better represent and support people so i don't have to bury any more any more of my mates we walked out there um, i was like a, a deer in headlights because I, I don't I, could, I don't care about them. I don't care about the question they're asking. I couldn't care less if someone said, oh, you, you bombed that interview, you stuffed that up. I, I don't care what people, you know, how people think like that about me. I was just thinking about the family, what we need to do, what what I need to do with the battalion, how do we get um, the support wrapped around, all this kind of stuff. And um, the PM just leant over and put his arm around me. And, you know, Prime Ministers don't, don't do this. We didn't talk about it. We didn't tell them. We didn't make it a, a political thing. And he just looked at me and gave me the smile and he goes, I really like this guy. And then um, from there, if I text or call, he answers. His wife has called my wife and, um, you know, I have this kind of special relationship with him that, uh, yeah, kind of leaves that door open where I can just have those honest conversations.
1: Wow. Well, cheers for sharing that, mate. That's um, – what a story. And I'm sure that would – it certainly touched me and will many of our listeners – And the other thing that really struck me then when you're talking about your daughters, I'm a a fairly new dad um, with my daughter being in, in terms of age between your two. So a young a little girl. And I was talking to Greer Martin over in the States, another veteran in politics, and he was talking about how his daughter fired him up to actually get involved in politics. You know, he, she, I think she was born six days before he left um, for Afghanistan. So it really fired on his return. He wanted a better world for her. And there seems to be a bit of a common thread with many of us in the veterans community, how family, those values really fire us up to want to change the world. And um, certainly um, that commonality is really strange. Uh, and that commonality between veterans around that very nation.
0: The um, did did you carry ECM because yeah. everyone I'm speaking, here, you carry ECM? you are having girls, mate. Um, yeah. but, you know, we, we better be talking of Veterans Affairs, I reckon, because all everyone who's been around ECM has been, uh, yeah, they have little girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, ECM stands for Electronic Countermeasures, which um, are the bits that keep us safe on operational theatres. I mean, I first time I carried that was in Northern Ireland as an eighteen year old. And uh, yeah, certainly the the weight and the effect of that stuff perhaps um, might uh, have driven a a sudden surge of female um, babies uh, across the veterans community. I don't know. There's a study in that somewhere, perhaps. Um, But what would you say um, would, I mean, looking back at that, how would you like your family and and your brothers and sisters from the veterans community to remember you or even your political colleagues? Because that might even be different. In terms of how your impact that you've made on the world,
0: um, well, I think it's it's different for if I think about my immediate family, um, we, you know, my my family, my daughters, uh, they, they they have to sacrifice a lot of uh, a lot of family time for for work, and but you know, it's always when Dad's home, it's it's uh, as much as I can phone away and loving Dad and playing games, and you know. Hiding seek and you know all the good stuff, teething babies and uh, the the fun things, right? That we go through. Uh, I want my political colleagues, um, you know, to and I think they do know me as I'm not the uh, I'm not the funny guy. I'm not the I like to have a laugh and always good to to have a beer with. But I'm there to I'm there to fight for my people and um, I'm not there to, to to make friends. I've got enough. Um, uh, i'm there to do it to do a job and uh, and to to keep you know government that i'm in to account on our promises and what we should be doing to better help and serve the people of australia and, and the veteran community uh, i think veterans know that about me uh, and, and i have people come in my office who are you know members uh, of the labor party who who served and uh, people that vote completely different to how i see the world and sometimes it you know perplexes me but it, I'm their I'm their representative for three years. I represent them, so they come in here with a problem. I'll help them. I never push them away, and uh, I try my best to to take any issue, any problem from any political um, persuaded person, and to support them and back them in. And you know, I, I you know I'm, I'm known in Canberra for I like a, I like a good fight down there, mate. So I like to I like to take up the you know the the fight for our people here, and we. I've been told by my side of politics from down south. um, You know, I talk to your people. You know, build your base with them. And if they, you know, if they, if they're not your way inclined, give them a bit of time. But no, everyone gets the same, mate. Everyone, but we're all here together trying to do our best, and we should be representing everyone equally. Not one gets treated better than another, or one can come see me and gets my time. Like I, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not i'm not born into you know the political parties i'm not i wasn't you know born into it uh i i kind of fell into it so i i don't bring that that very kind of centric view i, I kind of think that you know everyone's the same man we're all, we're all trying to trying to do our bit and better our families and you know better the community
1: phil i'm going to leave that there because those words are really awesome to close on but phil thompson MP Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Oppo are pleased to be working with the Veterans in Politics podcast series to help us in our quest to change the narrative around veteran employment. Thanks to the Veterans in Politics team for giving Oppo the chance to be involved in this fantastic initiative. Together, we hope to help many veterans realise their potential and secure the job, not just a job. Thanks to our guests and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe now. Alternatively, you can support our mission by checking out in the show notes below where you can rate, donate or become our mate. Thank you.